Have you ever felt lost when trying to support a grieving friend? Suggested Etiquettes for the Grieving is your go-to guide for offering real comfort in difficult times. Written by Angie Williams, this book is packed with practical tips and heartfelt advice. Be the friend who makes a difference. Order your copy today at Amazon.com or visit www.slowtospeakwithvooch.com. That's slow, the number two, speak with V-O-O-C-H dot com. Order now and transform the way you support those you care about. Suggested etiquettes for the grieving because being there matters. There were other things like people trying to um, use biblical or church knowledge, like um, trying to say God disciplined those he loved, consider it pure joy when you face some trials of many kinds, wisdom from their experience and loss, um, sending me cars inundated with scriptures, trying to convince me how God feels and why I had to go through what I was going through, um, their expectations of how I should be handling it, such as, when so-and-so went through this, when like kind of alluding to what right. you were saying earlier, when so-and-so lost their loved one, they didn't cry. Or they they were so strong because they kept attending church and serving with a happy face. And that was just not conducive to my healing process because I was already in enough pain and guilt. Right. It's almost like they gave you scriptures, but it wasn't like there was empathy behind that. It not was, really. Right. Gotcha. Hi, my name is Anthony, a.k.a. Vooch. And I'm his wife, Angie. And this is the Slow to Speak with Vooch podcast. At different times in our lives, we are faced with loss of different kinds, whether the loss of someone we love or something we hold dear to us. When supporting the griever, it is hard to know what to say or what to do. Well, I'm excited for this season on Slow to Speak with Boots podcast. My wife, Angie, and I will be discussing some suggested etiquettes when supporting a griever. Over the past 10 years, I have experienced so many losses, family and relative losses, friend losses, job losses, and health loss. Experiencing loss upon loss to me felt like a wave of water that just kept hitting my face to the point of leaving me breathless. In my experience with losses, I found that many were unaware of the proper etiquette to use when supporting the grieving. So I was encouraged by a friend to write down my experiences. This led to family, friends, and me to write a book called Suggested Etiquettes for the Grieving. These suggestions are only a framework of ways to consider when supporting a person grieving any loss. These following podcasts are going to be with the authors of the book. So please enjoy. All right. Welcome to the Slow to Speak with Booch podcast. I'm joined by my wife, Angie Williams. How are you doing today? I'm fine. That's good. That's good. So I hear that you're writing a book. Is that correct? Yes. All right. And what's the title of the book? It's called Suggested Etiquettes for the Grieving. And in actuality, I'm not the only one writing a book. There's six of us in total who's writing a book. And then my friend is the editor. And 
These are um, suggested etiquettes um, from us, and we're not scholars, we're not theologians, we're not therapists. We're just sharing our experience with um, some of our experiences with losses and how the grieving affect us and hopes that it'll help others. And the book um, is not geared towards a Christian community only. It's geared for anyone who is grieving, but it has some Christian content in it and some non-Christian content in it. Okay, so it's not really just like set up just for the church by itself. So everyone can sort of benefit from this, right? That's the hopes. Okay, gotcha. Now, what led you to writing this book? Well, a good friend of mine um, that I work with, she encouraged me to write the book um, about 12 years ago. I'm sorry, eight years ago, I lost my older sister to cancer and I was later laid off from my job that same year. Mm -hmm. And then two years later, all in one year, I lost my dad to um, a stroke. He had actually had the stroke right after my sister died from cancer a month after. Mm. But he lived um, long enough and then he wind up succumbing to the, the stroke. And a month later, I lost my mom. Four months later, my niece was murdered by her boyfriend. And then about two months later, my once-removed nephew was um, was hit by a vehicle. Five-year-old um, got killed. And again, the same job that I had been working, then I returned to it and I got laid off again the same day. And so I eventually, about... Two and a half years later, about a year later, that same year that I lost all these people, I decided to go back to school. And then I was going for a job, lost a well a possibility to a well-paying job. And then about two years later, and about two years and five months later, I lost my almost twin sister. Mm. Now, who was this friend who, so basically, did she just talk to you about it after you sort of just let her know everything that was going on with you and she just sort of like said hey you need to write a book or well what happened is is that um by the time I lost my almost twin sister and let me define almost twin there was this derogatory term used I used to always get called a Bopsy twin or an Irish twin because we was born in the same month we were literally born exactly 10 months apart our and um, so instead of calling an Irish twin, that's what I mean by almost twin. And we were born in the exact same year, 10 months apart. And um, by the time I had lost her, I was trying to handle everything and I thought that I was okay. But at that point, it, the pain was just, it was just so much at that time. And I was just frustrated with people going from the extreme of avoiding me mm. whenever I lost someone to another extreme of trying to fix me. And I was sitting down with her and she was just ex talking to me. At this time, she she was also um, talking to me about some of the losses that she had experienced. And then when I explained to her my frustrations of comments that were made towards me regarding my grieving, um, she just... Um, she's not a minister, so which huh. why she told me to write the book, probably. <laughs> but um, she said, why don't you write a book? Mm. And me, knowing that I don't have very good writing skills, I'm that's not my strength. Um, how, how did you sort of take that when she just said, write a book? I mean, just out of nowhere. Like, have you had any experience in writing a book? No, I don't think she said to... Just She didn't just come out and say it. She was just saying, you know... 
I think people will benefit from hearing from um, hearing this. Why don't you try to write a book? And oh, okay. I'm looking at her like she's crazy. Like, <laughs> do you even know my writing skills? But um, obviously, God had a different plan. And then I remember she and I got into her vehicle and we were talking. And then we we started praying. And she was praying that okay. Um, I pray when she she writes this book. You know, God, and I'm just sitting there crying because I'm like, I'm in so much pain and I'm so so frustrated. How can I write a book for someone to help them with someone in my predicament? Because I myself really didn't understand what's the best way to deal with all the pain. Right. That's probably like the last thing you're thinking about is writing a book in order to help others. Exactly. I I was just there and I was frustrated. I didn't feel like doing too much of anything at that time because I don't know why, but by the time my almost twin sister passed away, it was just really heavy and it was just too much. Hmm. What were some of the comments or things that were done that were frustrating to you? Well, as I lost the other ones I was telling you about, my older sister, my mom, my dad, everything back to back, sometimes people would try to give me words of encouragement like, it'll be okay. Just give it time. God loves you. You're being so strong right now. I'm sorry. I know I'm sorry is the first thing that comes to people's mind. I'm not saying that's wrong to say, but at the time, I'm just thinking, why are you telling me you're sorry about what? Right, right. It just didn't feel good just hearing those comments. No, because they, they really, people really thought they were comforting me, and I was just like in so much pain. It's almost like your arm getting cut off and somebody saying, I'm sorry. You're like... Mm. I know you're sorry, but... Sorry's not fixing it. <laughs> <laughs> it's not fixing it at this point. Right, and it's right. not like I want you to fix me, but right. I, you know what I mean. Mm-hmm. Um, they would give me Job friends advice, and that's not good because Job's friends were not um, really giving Job good advice when he was in the midst of all that pain. Um, they were um, like, for example, these people were insinuating that my losses are due to God's judgment on my stubborn character. You mm. know I'm stubborn. You know I can be stubborn sometimes. Well, we don't want to get into that. <laughs> <laughs> no, that <laughs> we'll talk about that another. No, time. very funny. <laughs> don't let us show it now. But, um, <laughs> we're going to edit that out. <laughs> no, and so we. Um, I know that over the years, I was the type that if. When I studied the Bible, someone said, be like a Berean. And mm-hmm. a Berean is someone who, when Paul, I want to say Paul and Silas, but when Paul noticed about them is that they studied out what they said to them and ju- that just didn't take it right. for face value. I was taught that. So when I when someone was coming to me with their opinion, disguising this as God's word, I would challenge it. And mm. some people didn't like it. I'm talking about inside the church and inside the church fellowship I was in and outside of it. Right, right. And um, I just remember this one particular person, our fellowship said, there's there's this lady that I work with. Her character is a lot like yours and she's going through a lot of continuous losses just like you. I noticed God only allows certain characters to experience these losses. And I'm just looking at her like, are you serious? Yeah, it's almost like she's trying to blame you for this. And saying this, <clears throat> excuse me, this other person was able to handle all of this. Why aren't you? No, she was more or less saying that the person had a stubborn attitude like mine, mm. and God was allowing her to suffer as well. Oh, okay. And then, um, 
The other thing, I mean, many people did that. I just noticed that they were just really making comments because my character rubbed them the wrong way. Gotcha. And in their mind, they're thinking, well, God's just judging you on this. But I was really grateful, honestly, because there was another young lady in our, my church. Um, uh, she was a baby when I first met her. But <laughs> she, um, I say a baby, she was five years old. And she said, God allows some of his biggest attenders, I'm sorry, biggest contenders go through some of the strongest struggles. And what she meant by that, I thought about two people that I held on to was Job and Joseph. Job went through what he went through, and it wasn't because he did something bad, like his friends were saying. That's why I said to Job, friends' advice, they were just saying, well, you must have done something wrong. And But but God said, that's not, Job is actually one of my stronger people. I'm, this is actually me showing Satan that he can handle this, and he's not going to curse me. And then there was Joseph who went through so much. He didn't do anything wrong, but he was just going through so much, but God was you know, shaping and molding him for a position that he had for him in the future. And it wound up being a good thing. So when she said that, that what it brought to my mind. And I was also reading Ezekiel and how Ezekiel, Ezekiel lost his wife. And when he lost his wife, God said, I don't want you to grieve because I want you to show the people that I'm not grieving about the temple being torn down because they replaced me with the temple. Right. Now, this wasn't coming from like a five-year-old. This was someone who's five years <laughs> not in yet. Christ, right? No, no, no. This She was five years old when I met her. She was like in her 20s when she told me this. Oh, okay. Was, gotcha. Gotcha. <laughs> I was like, okay. <laughs> she was just basically just trying to help me to see that all these things that were happening to me was does not necessarily mean that God was judging me. Gotcha. God was just showing me grace to so he can use me later because now a little bit far from move, removed from this, I can see that God is using all these losses for something good, especially when it comes to writing this book. Gotcha. Um, there were other things, like people trying to um, use biblical or church knowledge, like um, trying to say God disciplined those he loved, Consider it pure joy when you face some trials of many kinds. Wisdom from their experience and loss. Um, sending me cars inundated with scriptures, trying to convince me how God feels and why I had to go through what I was going through. Um, their expectations of how I should be handling it, such as when so-and-so went through this. When, like kind of alluding to what right. you were saying earlier, when so-and-so lost their loved one, they didn't cry. Or they, they were so strong because they kept attending church and serving with a happy face. And that was just not conducive to my healing process because I was already in enough pain and guilt. Right. It's almost like they gave you scriptures, but it wasn't like there was empathy behind that. It not was, really. Right. Gotcha. Now, you mentioned in your intro that the help that you were receiving from others was detrimental to the healing process. What specifically did you notice that was missing from how people tried to comfort you or from the books that they suggested that you read? Well, I mentioned it in the first etiquette uh-huh. uh, um, about an active listening ear. Um, I'm not knocking other books down. Uh, um, I was looking for something to help me in, in the moment when I was in my, the, the mist in the very depth of my um, grieving and my emotions and my pain to help me to see that I'm not crazy because I was experiencing so many emotions and so many other things that I, were going, I was going through. And some of the books, scriptures, and programs that others tried to share with me all seemed to 
try to fix the way the griever was feeling and not responding to their losses. Oh, okay. Um, there was a lack of real emotions from the griever and how the griever felt to me in the moment, in that very moment, because sometimes when books are written, they're written after the person has gone through all the grieving. And then they said, well, now I'm stronger. But in the moment, I felt like I'm not this strong yet. Right. And ways to actually, there wasn't things that talk about ways to actually support the griever versus helping the griever. And, and I know that sounds crazy, but supporting involves listening to help the griever get through the storm instead of trying to help them get around the storm. Mm. Wow. I understand that. Now, you know, just with thinking about what you just said, I know writing can be like emotionally draining and stressful at times. What were some of the challenges that you faced in writing this book? Are you trying to say I was challenging when I was around well, you? <laughs> I mean, you know. <laughs> like what are said, some of the challenges you faced it when well, I you know? well, we'll get into that into future episodes. <laughs> yeah, you don't want to say it now. Okay. Um, well, I first started writing the book about three months after I lost my almost twin sister. Mm -hmm. And I was struggling with how I was feeling towards God at the time, allowing me to experience so much pain. And along with that was these insensitive comments that were being made by my family members when I was planning the homegoing for my loved ones. I, I didn't have to plan all of them. I had to help plan my mom's and help plan. I was the point person for my sister, but it was actually my niece who did both of those who were amazing. And I'll talk about her a little bit in another chapter. But what were some of the things that, that your family was doing? I mean, you said it was kind of stressful and some things that they were doing that wasn't very helpful. Stay with us. We'll be right back. Have you ever felt lost when trying to support a grieving friend? Suggested Etiquettes for the Grieving is your go-to guide for offering real comfort in difficult times. Written by Angie Williams, this book is packed with practical tips and heartfelt advice. Be the friend who makes a difference. Order your copy today at Amazon.com or visit www.slowtospeakwithvooch.com. That's slow, the number two, speak, with V-O-O-C-H dot com. Order now and transform the way you support those you care about. Suggested etiquettes for the grieving because being there matters. Well, one of the things was um, some were trying to dictate how the funeral should be done and there's always this guilt that you're not doing things the way that the loved one especially when they pass away suddenly and so you're trying to do your best to do to do what you think that they will want you to do well some of it was good some some like for example my mom my um we were going to bury her and mm -hmm. my grandma and my aunt reminded me she said my mom never wanted to be buried. She wanted to be cremated. So that was good. But there were people who kept complaining. I remember when my older sister passed away, one of my cousins went online accusing me of something that I 
didn't really do. I, I, I she was um she thought that I was telling her to she was asking me how to go to my sister's um repass and she thought I was telling her something different like well just email me now but I was get trying to get everybody's emails to get everybody connected that was when we were there and we were driving we were getting ready to drive over there and we were telling everybody and then okay I remember that situation but in her mind she thought that I was saying email her when there was no Wi-Fi there and so that got twisted up and it turned into a really big argument on the internet um some sometimes families are very are hurting a lot so they just say little things and they try to criticize how things are done um one of my uh, relatives said that I was being snotty to her at my mother's funeral and I couldn't even remember my name wow and I'm just like okay that was just really hard and so um that's moving a, that's huh? a lot to go through I mean just a and I remember being there with you and you're just sitting there and just trying to think of all these things. And I know on their part, they're hurting, but it's it's almost like that Monday morning quarterback where they can sort of just sit back and sort of criticize. Well, you should have did this. You should have did that. Why didn't this go that way? And it's easy for them to do that, but they don't realize that you're grieving And then all this pressure with you coming from out of town, driving all the way up there, and all of this is put on you, and they're not really helping out. Yeah, and then little comments about how family is not close. And in all all honesty, lots of families are not close, and I'm not giving that as an excuse. And, And wanting to mention, oh, funerals are the only time we meet together. But in all honesty, when following up with with family members, they they just talking out of their pain, and and there was not really a real real follow up. It's almost like you feel blamed for it. But moving to the next thing that what was hard about writing this book in in particular is it was frustrating. I was frustrated with the Christian community for what I felt were tactics that were trying to be used to fix me with scriptures and religious acts such as um, oh just keep, um, continue to serve mm-hmm. um, it'll be good for to see you at church again and that was again one of those things it just wasn't healthy during my religious um, I'm sorry during my healing process because I already had enough guilt on my plate and so um, I had enough guilt I had enough things that to try to get through there's just so much to go on and I talk about that in another chapter, but there's just so much that goes on that you don't need to process all this other stuff that other people are trying to say to you and trying to get you to do. You no longer have the ability to try to see, okay, speak plainly because I really can't interpret what you're saying right right now because my brain is fried. Right. But later, so I got to give God the glory for real on this because... I I almost gave up on writing this book. And then one day, the Spirit moved me to sit down and write three chapters in one sitting. Hmm. Yeah. And so as I looked through my first draft, I saw how those who unknowingly hurt me or said hurtful things during my healing process would have taken offense to it. So I had 
to um, look back over it again because I didn't want them to feel blamed or shamed right. for what they intentionally or intentionally did to make the pain worse. And so what I did is I generalized everything a little bit more. I didn't go into debt. It, and and so I just kept on, and so I redid that. But I couldn't, re, I couldn't get past the first three chapters for some reason. I just kept trying to write and I just kept getting interrupted. And I couldn't get that <laughs> fourth chapter to come out. So I sat there and I prayed and I said, okay, God, I felt the spirit moving me for these first two ta- three chapters. I need your help again. And then the spirit moved me to recruit other authors. <laughs> what was your um, process in recruiting like other authors? I mean, because it's like if you quickly got through the first three chapters, how, how did you go about recruiting other people? First of all, I had to realize that this was God's plan, not mine. And the reason mm-hmm. why I say that, because I wanted to hurry up and get the book done. And so I was like, recruit other authors? I don't want to do that. But the first person that I did recruit is the one who inspired me to write this book. And I think we're going to wind up interviewing them down the line. Is that correct? Yeah, yeah. We'll talk so, to everybody. I won't say their names until we get to it. Okay. But the first person, she is now a minister at her church. I I asked her to write the book because she had just experienced a loss. And she was one of those people who was trying to help me to understand what should be included in the book. So I um, asked her. She wound up going back to school. And so she was only to write able to write a little so hers is sprinkled throughout the book okay i asked my brother because as i talked to him over the years he experienced a lot of losses in and and that more than the losses that i lost he experienced loss in life itself there were some losses in life itself i would like from that perspective to be included in the book that's your younger brother right yeah my baby brother oh. <laughs> he he would kill me if he hear you he say baby brother but he's like six one <laughs> but that's my baby brother and our son, because as he started to start to open up with us, I started noticing some losses from a youth's point of view. We may view it as, oh, that's just petty. Well, wait until you get oh, those those little phrases. Well, right. when I was young, when I was growing up, it's just like they have a whole new um, slew of things that they have to deal with and when they lose something. Yeah. And it's so public and I just wanted him to speak on it. Yeah, especially with this social media age and everything. Yes. It's all out there. Yeah, because they, they, it's almost like being a star. You can't... I suffer my losses because I'm not on social media that much. I suffer my losses outside of the public eye. Right. They He was suffering his loss in the public eye. So... Asked him to speak. Um, there, then I wanted a perspective from losing a child, mm. and so I was explaining my book to a young lady that I was I had started working at this job, and she, I was explaining to her about why I was writing the book. Then she opened up to me about losing her son. Wow! And who was also murdered. And I was if my sister would have been alive because the last sister, my almost twin sisters, um, was the her daughter was the niece that got murdered. Mm. And if she would have been alive, I would have asked her to write this portion um, because she honestly wanted to write something about her life anyway. Right. And it's like God gave me this woman. So I asked her if she would write a portion of the book. It was so, it was enlightening for me. And then um, a high school friend of mine, um, she's a pastor 
where she lives. And she and I was talking after I lost my almost twin sister because we all hung together in high school. And losing my sister was like losing her, her losing a sister because right. we all hung out together in high school. She was telling me how she experienced a loss with her associate pastor and and all the, lo- the things that came along with it. And she was like, you know, relating to how I was feeling. So I asked her if she can speak from a pastor's point of view. Now, this book has been d- delayed and being um, published. And I thank God for it because now there are other things that are coming up that in her life that I would like for her to share. And one of them is she lost her mom to COVID-19. That was wow. very hard because her mom, we hung at her house. So her mom was like the mama right, you know, right. of, the, of our mama's group. house, sort of. She wasn't big mom. It was like the mama that we hung with. We, this, this was her house and we hung with her. So I just wanted her to speak on it. Um, as we're doing this podcast now, we haven't gotten to the point where she's written her part or or we talked about that. But right. I, I would love for her to speak on that as well. And lastly, um, my editor is a good friend who walked through everything with me from the first time I lost my family members to, to this day. And um, she's editing the book because she's an amazing reading teacher, amazing um, writer. And she also helps me remember a lot of stuff that I forgot because I don't remember a lot of things now. It's almost like having a baby. You know, I had our second child without medication and I told you never let me have another child. (laughs) You stuck to it, but (laughs) but I don't remember the pain. I remember I was in pain, but I don't remember the pain as much and she, she was always reminding me of some of the stuff is she going through the book? Oh, I know what you're talking about. Remember when you said not? And right. she's helping me out with the book. Oh, that's cool. I mean, for her to remember all of that, I mean, that speaks on... She was in the trenches right. with me. She was there with me. She was going through her stuff. It, it kind of inspires the cover of the book that um, where there's like two people trying to get each someone through the storm. I don't know if it depicts this way to you, but it's like during those storm times... You're picking each other up and you're like, come on, let's keep going. We got to keep going. It's like when I think of her, I think of us both holding on to each other injured. And we're just keep picking each other with scriptures and prayer and talking to each other. I mean, she was that. I talk about her in another chapter, so I don't want to go in too much detail about it. But she I I appreciate her being the editor. Mm. How long did it take for you to, to write this book? I know you got through the first three chapters and then compiling all these authors, how long did it take for you to get this book written? Our first day, I started in April of 2019. Our first um, draft was actually done. Everybody had a deadline in July. And it was one of those things where, again, is of this podcast, we're still working on it. But it was one of those things where I think it needed to be delayed because there was more to need, needed to be said. So um, right now we're at one year and four months. Mm. That's still impressive. Mm, Okay. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, most people, it takes, you know, several years, you know, for a book to come out. But, you know. And God's time is honestly all I can say. I, I try to keep that in the back of my mind. Right. In God's time. 
Now, what's the structure of the book as far as like the format? Well, I got to back up on the format. Let me tell you behind the scenes on that. The more I got into writing this book, my eyes were open to like the increasing number of people who were losing people and who experienced the same breathtaking losses or worse than what I was experiencing. And as I spoke about the book to other people, when I when I because I was telling people I'm gonna write this book, somebody probably went out there and went and wrote a book already. I should have shut my <laughs> mouth, but it was just one of those things I'm That's glad. That's how it I, usually works. You, you <laughs> well, get it out there, somebody else. Oops, good idea. I know, and then take it, but I just trusted God had a plan and that if they was gonna write it, maybe it should have been done through them. But honestly, it was just really helpful for me to be able to write the book and listen to other people's opinion. And so it, it, it became apparent to me that many were unaware of proper etiquettes to use when supporting the grieving. And so it's like basically chapters are, are called etiquettes. The chapters are etiquettes. I think about when, at that time, I wanted to keep it simplistic. I wanted to make sure that those who are supporting the grievers can just get to the point and say, oh, that's what I need to do. Maybe they can get a little story in the middle and then in the end just get some some ideas to bounce off some suggestions. Right, but etiquettes, not chapters. Right, they're etiquettes. Okay. And so, and with each etiquette, there's a scripture. And I wanted to include the scripture because it helps to show you that the Bible is relevant today in any subject. And even on the chapters do, do, that does not have a lot of um, scriptural-based or Christian-based um, comments in it, it still has a scripture that actually can relate to how that person was feeling because the Bible is not a bunch of to-dos and don'ts. It's, it's more of the attitude that, from what I understand, what God expects us to have and actions to consider when these things are going on. Mm. So... Um, each author shared their experience. All the chapters are not the, they're not shared the same way. Some of us shared it in general, others shared in detail. But the point is, is to help the reader get a glimpse of what is going on in the griever's mind. And when they are in the, and especially when they are in the middle of their emotions that comes along with the loss. Gotcha. Please remember to allow anyone grieving to process their grief so that it does not lead to improper release. This book and these podcasts are only to get the conversation started on etiquettes to use when supporting anyone grieving a loss. If you are attending a church or a congregation of believers, please continue to discuss other ways to partner with God to serve a grieving person and this grieving society. Let's represent God in this matter. Let's display to the world a loving God, not a punitive God in this time of grieving.